Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about prototyping digitally. We're talking about making a game online, making it through some software, getting some people to play it online, digital prototyping. And we're talking to Artyom Nishipurov, which I totally just butchered your name. Being from Alabama, that's what I do. But Artie, really appreciate you coming on the show. Welcome. Thanks, Gabe. Uh, Nice to be here. Um, Sorry for my horrible accent. I imagine... I'll be butchering English language just as well as you butchered my name, so it's no fine. No worries, man. I don't have to... What, uh, you're from Latvia. But what language do y'all speak in Latvia? Oh, it's funny. Uh, we speak basically two languages. Okay. Most people speak Latvian, uh, and some people speak uh, Latvian and Russian. Gotcha. Well, so, I promise you're going to speak English way better than I would ever speak Latvian. And so, <laughs> how do you say your name, actually? Yeah, it's Artem Nishapurov. There you go. You just got to say it real fast. And, and Okay, cool. <laughs> Well, Artie, I'm excited to talk to you, man. But just in case people have never heard of you, give me your bio. Who are you? How'd you get into games all the way in Latvia? What are you working on? That kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so I consider myself a very, very beginner designer. Uh, at this point, I have uh, just one published game. Uh, of course, I mean, as most of us, like um, designing games on and off for most of my life since early childhood. I imagine this story is pretty much the same for everybody. Uh, but only actually started doing something more or less serious, let's call it that, uh, maybe two years ago. So we kind of funded our game through Kickstarter uh, called Guards of Atlantis. Maybe some of you have heard of it, maybe not. Probably not. We're kind of rather unknown little publisher. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's pretty much my bio. And during day, I'm like computer programmer and at night i'm a game designer so <laughs> gotcha now how did you get into games in latvia like what were the games that started coming to your country that you first started playing i think the first thing i've played was uh was actually magic the gathering okay. but it was eight ages ago maybe 15 years ago at least so and from there i don't know munchkin probably actually i think it was munchkin and then the usual story like carcassonne uh, settlers, whatnot, and then going for more uh, complex stuff. Uh, but I'm not very big into super heavy games. I usually gravitate towards medium, medium weight stuff. Yeah, for sure. And now, what I'm excited to talk to you about, I mean, you're in Latvia. We were talking the other day about how you kind of live in the middle of nowhere, and not only that, but there's not that many people in Latvia anyway. And so it's hard (laughs) to find people to test your game, people to play your game with. And so you've had to rely on digital prototypes and creating digital prototypes and getting people around their computer as opposed to around your table to test your games. But let's let's talk about what, what is digital prototyping? Just in case somebody's never heard of it, what would be your definition of that? Okay, so basically, uh, it's a way to have your game in one way or the other as a piece of software, usually. But I've heard people using like uh, Google Docs, like just having something in Google Spreadsheets and then using that to test, but it's probably not that convenient. So personally, I use Tabletopia, 
there are more than more different uh, software pieces that can achieve this, but I personally use Tabletopia. And you upload uh, your assets online, and basically have a virtual game board where you can move your cards, shuffle them, take them into your hand, move tokens around, and do whatever is needed. Uh, and then you upload the, your game there and let people join you, and then you test it uh, using computer online as opposed to making actual prototype and then having to go through all the hustle, like uh, inviting people to your home, buying a lot of pizza, making sure that everybody is there in time, making sure that everybody showed up, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. Like that. And then people can access the game online, right? They just use the internet and they can play the game all together. Yeah, with Tabletopia, you just send them a link and you use Internet Explorer, just follow the link, open it up, and there you have it, uh, like some kind of browser game. One thing to understand that it will not, like, you won't be able to enforce rules there, right? It's just a interface for you to be able to have your game, and then if you know the rules and you know how the game operates, then you can test it like this. Yeah, so it, re- it responds the same way as it would on your table, you know, it's not like you're creating an app where the where the app runs the rules in the background or anything like that. I mean, it's just like a, a really a digital table. Yeah, it's it's actually it's not it's nothing like creating an app. It's super easy. You just basically grab a number of pictures and then upload them, and then it's done. It basically does the rest for you. So if you have you have upload a card as an image, and then in in the software, it's already a card that you can take into your hand, shuffle, rotate, and do whatever. You need with it. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to talk to you a little more about the, the kind of nuts and bolts of, of putting the thing together in just a minute, but let's talk about some of the other options. I could only think of two real options of Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator, and I did, you know, I did some Google searching around looking for more, and there's a few like in development. Some, you know, They've done some Kickstarters for things, but those are really the main two, unless you want to write your own. I saw some people saying, well, just make your own. <laughs> write your own you know, computer program, and I was like, uh, you're not speaking uh, my language. That's not me. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of the differences between Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator and then ultimately why you picked Tabletopia. Well, actually, it was kind of random, I think. Uh, I imagine if I would start with Tabletop Simulator, probably gonna, I would be stuck to that one, but I started with Tabletopia randomly. But the reason I would probably suggest to use that is because in Tabletopia you don't have to pay for the user account because Tabletop Simulator, last time I've checked, even if you're a player, you have to pay. So if you want somebody to test your game uh, with Tabletop Simulator, you'll have to like, okay, can you please buy this thing and then try my game? And I imagine for most people, unless they already had it, then that can become an issue, right? With Tabletopia, you just send them the link uh, and that's it. And it used to be that it was paid for the designer, like you had to buy an account there, and it was like, I think, 10 bucks minimum or something per month. Uh, but it's not the case anymore, so you, you can have like a free account and create stuff without paying anything. But you'll be limited in what you can do, like you won't have as much space, mostly. That's the main difference. I use the free account for now. Yeah, so okay, so the free account, I mean, you can get started for $0.00. And yep. in as much time as it takes for you to upload the images and, and put whatever dice, whatever in, in there, you, you can have people playing your game, as we're saying. Yep. Uh, it will take some time to prepare, uh, especially like to make your setup takes some getting used to. But most objects are already there, like dice, you don't have to create anything. You can just click on the dice, 
put it on the on your board and then save the setup and it's done. But cards and boards and stuff like that, you'll have to create actual images using any other piece of software. I mean, you can use Microsoft Paint if you want to. <laughs> it won't look pretty, but hey. Uh, and then you upload it there and then it's done. Okay, so how much time, give me just a ballpark estimate, how much time does it take to create or basically to get everything uploaded, not creating the cards, like let's say you already have the yeah. art and the assets <laughs> and all that, but just like uploading the images and creating the setup and all that, how long would that take just on average? Uh, depends how fast you are. I would say hour to two hours. Again, depends on the game, mm-hmm. but you don't have to pay for it. So, I mean, I used to start with normal way. Like, I used to make games, just make a prototype, right? You have to go somewhere. You have to, if you don't have a printer at home, you have to go and print. Then you have to cut. I mean, even if you're very slow, actual prototype will take you more time, most likely. Uh, unless you go, uh, unless you, your game is like just a couple of dice, right? Then maybe not. But most cases, even if you're slow, three hours maybe tops, and then you can test it. But the best thing is you, if, if you don't like what you ended up with, it's very easy and quick to make the change. You just upload another card, like you swap some objects, and you have your changes in, and you can test them again. Yeah, so you don't have to like keep going back and forth to the printer and all that. Yeah, yeah you can do it like within, I don't know, five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And re-upload it and keep going. So uh, accommodating change is easier for me. Yeah, for sure. Now, give me some more of the reasons why you use uh, Tabletopia and, and kind of the things you found to be successful. Yeah, you, you've mentioned it uh, before, like uh, finding finding people was a problem for me because the first game I was working on, uh, it was a very uh, multiplayer-oriented game. So to actual to test actual game experience, I had to invite a lot of people. So it used to be like four or six at least. I couldn't uh, just test it by myself, you know. And what it ended up with was like, even if I were doing it as often as I could, it would be like maybe two tests a week. And that's not enough. Like, if you want to basically polish your game, make sure it's as as good as it can be, you need to do it a lot more often than that. Basically, what Tabletopia helped me with is to achieve just that, because I didn't have to invite all the same people as well. Uh, basically, I could have just, uh, I don't know, if you're from US, for example, or I don't know, from China or wherever, as long as we can agree on the time, you can just use the link and then we can play. So that was the reason for me, the main one. Yeah, for sure. And now let me, I just had a thought. What about like other components in your game? So if my game is more than just dice and cards, like let's say I need a bunch of meeples or a bunch of custom dice or things like that, how how easy is that to create in the software? Yeah, dice is very easy. Uh, you just like download an image, and on that image you have an approximate place where... Uh, the symbols should be, and you just change the symbols, and then you re-upload that image again. Uh, meeples are easy; uh, they're already present. I think they they have a like a um, library of existing components. So chances are, half of the stuff you need is already there. Especially if you don't need it to be pretty. Like if you're just making a raw proto- prototype just to test it out, then it's super fast. The only thing which you cannot do it there, I I, I think oh. Yeah, that's the reason why you might want to go for the tabletop simulator because I think they have it and tabletop it doesn't. The player screen. There is no way to do something not being visible to the other player unless it's in your hand. Mm-hmm. So if your game is reliant on player screens, then tabletop it will not help you. So tabletop gotcha. simulator then. So no hidden trader games with tabletopia. 
Uh, well, unless uh, card based, but yeah, um, you can just <laughs> place the card face down. That works, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, Game of Thrones, you you won't be able mm-hmm. to play that one. Gotcha. All right, and so okay, that just kind of help my brain understand. So I create, you know, all the assets, all the cards. I upload the setup, all that. I send a few friends a link. And then they click on the yep. link, and they are immediately in, and they can see the game. And then as other people click the link, they show up to the table effectively? Yeah, there's a lobby. Okay. Uh, you ma- basically, you make a game, and then you make uh, a setup. Uh, in, in the setup, you basically figure out how many players uh, the setup is for. Because uh, for the same game, you might have a number of setups. Let's say a two-player, three-player, etc. And... Um, then they enter the lobby, and there are seats. They just take the seats. You click the start the game, and it loads, and there you go. You kind of have a, your mouse pointer uh, as your hand, and you can operate objects on the board. It's like in 3D. Very simple. I mean, the only issue is that I have to mention is, like, sometimes there can be, like, they're having sometimes technical issues, so uh, some people might not be able to join. That happened to me. Didn't happen for a while, but don't be surprised if it does happen. But hey, it's free, right? So. <laughs> right. And so you just use your mouse to pick up cards, to roll dice, to shuffle, all those different things, right? You just kind of... M- m- mouse and hotkeys. Like yeah. you can I mean, press R to roll. You know, you point on the dice, you press R, it gets rolled. Gotcha. Very now, easy. are people able to come in and leave the, the game once it starts? Or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. It- it's persistent. It's basically you have the game can be in process, so we can start it like if it's something I don't know. Let's say we for some reason want to test a Twilight Imperium <laughs> in Tabletopia. So we start on Monday, play for a couple of hours, and uh, six days later, I mean, we decide to finish that game. We enter again, join the seats, and play for another couple of days, and then maybe we're done with it. Gotcha. You know so. And so it's kind of like when you start a game, you you have to determine the game's over and kind of cut it off. You can you basically you decide like it doesn't as I said it doesn't count score for you it doesn't do anything so you play the game and then okay, uh, Billy won mm-hmm. so yeah. we kind of talk over Skype and then we if we want we restart and have another game right. That's an important thing to understand like you will probably have to be present there. It can be I mean. You can arrange probably people testing it without you, but then you need to make sure that they have the rules and everything, right? Yeah. Now, is it possible for them to have the rule, like a PDF? I guess you could just send them a PDF through email and they could have that on their computer. Or you can like have that. that. You can also add an object, which would be like a book, okay. and it will be on that, on that table. Like you have a table where your setup is placed, so you can have a book there which you can scroll and then the rules are there. But I think that's not the most convenient way to do it i think the just a link to pdf would be would be better yeah okay so walk me through just the the kind of the bare bones of let's say you were going to put Catan, right settlers of Catan on tabletopia kind of walk me through the process you would go through for that not necessarily like in every little detail but just can you kind of give me the general because you know there's a lot of people listening to this have probably never even heard of these uh programs i didn't hear i didn't know about it until you know let's go from the basics yeah just give me the kind of basic walkthrough so we go there you create an account then you is this tabletopia.com yeah i think i think so it'll be that link will be on the website if you want to check yeah. this out. By the way, I'm not working for them. Just <laughs> right. <laughs> just Nobody's getting any kickbacks. This is all just personal <laughs> opinion and what we've you know 
tried and what's worked for us. What, really what's worked for you. I haven't gotten into it yet. I, I'm, this is something I need to work on, especially because I'm in Honduras. And unless I want to make yeah. all my games Spanish and English, uh, it's not going to work out. So anyway, give me the basics. Yeah, so uh, you create an account, then you use any sort of graphics software. I, I use Photoshop. So basically, you create a board there. For example, you just draw a picture. Since the um, Catan uses the hex board and it's modular, you make those small hex, uh, hexes for each terrain type. Do they give you like templates for this? Like, do you download templates to use in Photoshop to make these things? Uh, for the boards, no, I don't think so. But it's very easy. I mean, uh, again, like if you if you have zero knowledge with visual like uh, graphic editors or whatever, it will be a problem, right? I mean, you you need to be able to draw at least something. But I think this is a skill any designer needs anyway. I mean, yeah. we are creating prototypes digital not digital doesn't matter we have to do some graphics uh, at least the very early stage and if you don't right? have if you're listening to this and you don't have access to photoshop or inkscape or any of the you know the big fancy ones gimp, GIMP is a great one g-i-m-p I'll, I'll put the link to that on the, on the website and then i i use canva canva.com c-a-n-v-a.com it's free it's all online it's it's i love it it's amazing uh, i need to have somebody from them from their company come on the show and talk about that thing. But that, that's what, that's what I use. But now how does the, how does the program know? Like, let's say my board needs to be a certain size. And so do I need a, a picture of a certain pixel quality? Like, I don't want it to just be this stretched out mess, you know, and all to an extent, okay. uh, basically they have, uh, they have uh, maximum size because eventually like everything you place in your setup will need to be loaded. Right. So if you take all your images and make them super large uh, resolution and then everything is huge uh, then your setup will be like a lot of megabytes and then somebody wants to open it it will take some time you probably want to avoid that so we want to have them as small as you can so that everything is still visible and, and looks clean enough right but it comes with like trial and error but after you upload the image so again let's say we need the board tiles so we make that hex shape we draw a tree there and it's a forest and then we upload it to the program, and there is a slider for the size. So you say, okay, I want this be, to be not the size I uploaded it with, but like twice the size. So you set it to 100%, and boom, it's bigger than uh, as big as you need to be. Then you have more advanced stuff, like you can make uh, magnetic magnetic areas uh, on your table. So you can you can make this grid uh, so that it kind of accommodates your tiles so you can you make the hexes uh, i think it, you just select the green color like 255 on the green track and uh, and that color it kind of interprets as a magnet area right and you kind of upload it separately and then if you place that hex on the board it kind of clicks to that area oh okay right? so, so i don't have to spend a ton of time making it all straight it'll straighten the board out for me yes yes gotcha. uh, moreover uh like after you created this tile you can upload all the tiles that you need you upload your field your mountain whatever and then you set okay i need that many fields that many mountains that many forests and then it creates like a random tile uh, object and then you can place the random tile object on the board and that creates like a randomized setup so that's another great feature, by the way. Like, usually if you made everything right, 
you kind of click start the game and it's already preset. Like everything is randomized, what needs to be randomized, decks are shuffled. Like you don't need to do all this manual boring stuff. But it takes a bit of research to do it. Like not nothing super complicated, but when I was making my very first prototype, I didn't know everything, of course. But I mean, they have help and you can read uh, on the website how everything is done. So it's not, not something complex. So you basically upload that image, you kind of open the setup and then you just drag, drag and drop the object, and it drops on the. They, they have like a table, uh, and you drag that object from the from the bar on the bottom, release it, and it drops on your table. And then you drop all the objects you need. Uh, you align them, you change their size. You can do it like during the setup, and then you save it. Click publish. Uh, wait. Hopefully it's fast. And sometimes it takes some time, right? Because uh, if like it's not just you, maybe they're like. 100 people doing it right now, then it may delay you. So if you do the prototype and want to show it to somebody, let's say you want to pitch your game to a publisher and you and you want to use a tabletopia to do it. And I've done that to great effect, by the way. You better do it before. Like, don't expect that you'll click and boom, it will be ready. Usually it will, but not always. Don't wait till the last minute as far as this goes. Give yourself some time. If you have a publisher to talk to or you have friends that want to play, make sure you have the time in between, right? Yeah. Yeah, by the way, speaking about uh, about that, uh, that's another great use for the software is like if your prototype looks good enough and it can totally look great, like uh, if you go and open the tabletop and see the games they have published, you can make it look very pretty. So you basically, what I did once was I would make a prototype of the game uh, and then I would uh, use uh, the free recording software, like the one that takes the, just the feed from your screen mm-hmm. and then and the voice and whatever. And I was just kind of demoing the game on the tabletop and recording it. And then I sent that to the publisher. So, well, in this case, it was not a publisher. It was a, a rights holder. So we wanted to get IP rights for a certain IP and we, we got it that way. I basically showed them the, we can make a game which looks like this. Do you like it? And they said, they said yes. And there was just five-minute video of tabletop air prototype. Cost me zero money, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's really – and we'll, we'll talk pros and cons in just a minute. But this is one of the main pros of using one of these uh, softwares or something like that is that, again, you're in Latvia. I'm in Honduras. If you want, if you and I want to pitch to a publisher, it's real hard <laughs> to make that prototype and put it in the mail and it get there in any kind of reasonable amount of time. In Honduras, I don't, you know, I don't even know – how it would do that i don't i'm sure there's a service that would charge me 100 bucks to do it but i mean it's just it's just crazy and so this allows you to pitch to publishers it allows you to uh, play test with friends let me ask you this can you play test without being there so like for instance can, if i were going to tabletopia right now are there just games available that i could just yeah. sit down and play yeah yeah the only thing is that i never actually used it as a like a just a player Maybe for some of those, you have to have some kind of paid account. I don't know. But, I mean, the ones I create, the the setup when you create it, it's free for mm-hmm. sure. Like, you send the link and then it costs nothing. Uh, just for the for the play, for the normally published games, I'm not sure. Uh, so, probably not, uh, but not 100% here. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but let me ask you this. If I wanted to, let's say I had 20 people... Who want to play? Or who want to play test my game? And they have the rules, documents, and this is I'm basically doing blind play testing. Uh, I can send out five links, and that's going to go to five different games. Like I can do more than one game okay. at a time, right? Okay. Here we have uh, here I have to mention one thing. Is uh, remember I mentioned that uh, there is like a 
pay, a free account and uh -huh. a paid account. Now, one of the differences is you're only limited to, I think, two rooms in the free one. Okay, so I so, can have two so games you, going. Yeah, if you want more, you'll have to pay like I don't know, ten bucks a month or something. Mm -hmm. But it's doable. But it won't be free then. Yeah, guys. But so it is possible that I can have uh, just a ton of different games going at the same time, and then players can maybe fill out like a little survey at the end. I could send them a link to a survey and get their feedback and that kind of thing without me having to be there, right? Or you can just ask them to basically record it. Uh, oh, okay. Same thing I did with yep. that game. Like you can ask them to record how they played, and it's much easier than in real life like they don't need a camera they just download the software click record and then they send you the uh, this file where you see everything and hear everything yeah gotcha now so does that, table, that's an option does tabletopia have some kind of system where i can see my friends like using my webcam uh, or the you know the camera on my computer or do i have to use something else like google hangouts or skype or something like that okay uh there is chat function uh -huh. but was it the was there a voice? I really I really don't remember. To be honest, I've always used Skype okay. during our games. Uh, so we usually use third party software. I can probably check, but yeah, let me see. Uh, so what they offer and one thing I forgot to mention is they are also on Steam. Mm -hmm. So I mean I imagine everybody knows what Steam is, right? No. Probably. If not, it's it's just go check it out. Is it Steam.com? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So the Steam, uh, they they're on Steam, and Steam has voice options. So what they suggest is just to use that, and it's somehow integrated. I think. Okay, so I could talk to my friends, but not necessarily see them on video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, everybody has Skype right. or any other software which does that, right? Yeah. How much does Tabletopia consume of my computer? And if I'm running Skype and if I'm running all this other stuff in the background, is it going to bog everything down? Probably not. Okay, it's still a 3D uh, software, so like it runs better on my home PC than it runs, for example, on my uh, work laptop. Mm -hmm. But I think you can... There are options to make uh, the uh, visual graphic details like lower, and then it runs okay. Again, it can run in browser. So, yeah. I mean, I imagine there are computers where it won't run, but most people probably won't encounter issues yeah. with this. But you're probably not going to play it on your phone. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, not every board game, even when they have a like normal app, is that nice to play on the phone. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, so let's talk some more pros and cons. You, you mentioned being able to pitch it to publishers. I want to get a little more about that in just a second. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some other ways that this, there's, what are some of the other pros for using one of these systems or softwares? Great for co-design. Okay. Like, if, imagine you're co-designing with another person, right? If you're not in the same city, then you'll have to do what, like, make the same prototype, two copies, then you try, then you have to change something, you have to kind of sync them out. Uh, here, you can just discuss everything, discuss, 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 then uh, one of you or both of you make the make the prototype and you can play already. And uh, another thing, it saves you on travel time. Like, again, this kind of overlaps with the idea that nobody has to be present. So it means uh, I can call a friend and ask him, hey, I just came up with new set of cards, which fixes all the issues which the game have. Do you have a, like half, a, half an hour? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he enters online. We go on Tabletopia half an hour. I tested my thing. And that's it. 
it like literally that playtest took us half an hour. Like there is just no way to do it in real life that fast. Yeah, and you didn't have to buy any pizza. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, like it's very economical. Like you don't pay for components, don't pay for food, <laughs> like and you spend much less time, so uh, at least as soon as you get a grip like how to do the prototype yeah i can imagine there's a little bit of a learning curve and kind of like you know we and we can go back to our our uh, discussion about you know how would you upload Catan into this thing but there's a bit of a learning curve and trial and error and and figuring yeah. out what works and what doesn't work and what pixel size of image is the, like the best one to use and, I, and i'm sure they've got uh, facts and different things on the website to say hey make sure your picture is at least this big but not more than this big and that kind of thing and so it's just a lot of trial and error but again it, like you're saying it's going to save you so much time in in the long in the term. long run yeah. yeah and so let but let's talk about some of the cons what are some of the drawbacks of using these systems Huh. Uh, okay. One of the main ones is your digital version of the game is not your game. Yeah. I mean, the experience will slightly be different from the actual opening the actual box and playing with cardboard. The way you kind of move and operate components will be different. Like here, if I need to shuffle a deck, uh, I point on the deck and press R. Oh, so, sorry, S, I think. And then it's shuffled in a second. Uh, like in the actual game, people usually tend to spend some time to doing it, yeah. right? Does it at so, least make the sound of shuffling when it shuffles? Yeah, it does the sound. Okay, it, good. It, animation, the sound, <laughs> it looks pretty good. Okay. But, but it's faster than, than usual, yeah. right? And imagine you, game, you make a game where there is a lot of shuffling and you play it on tabletop and there is nothing wrong. You do like hundreds of shuffles, fair enough. And then suddenly you make the actual physical prototype and then people start complaining that, hey, like all we do in your game is shuffling. Like, yeah. It takes a lot of time. It's just a very like first example which came to my mind, but we've encountered those issues. Like uh, first you try something digitally, then you make the actual version, and oops, uh, this thing is actually not convenient. Now we have to kind of change it. So digital uh, prototyping does not replace the normal testing. You still have to do it at least, I mean, at some stage. I think that digital testing is especially good to like balance your game, but to make sure that it works as a game, that it's fun to like see the player reactions, it's harder. Like it's still possible. I was still mostly I think I'm doing like ninety eight percent of my playtesting digitally. But you have to be very careful with how you kind of because you don't see facial expressions you don't know if people are bored if he's like playing your game then he has like uh, hundreds of different apps uh, <laughs> different window and he's like I don't know reading news while he's playing you don't know that so you have to make sure after the game is done that it works well I usually just make as I'm making a game as I'm playtesting play it digitally every now and then I make that physical prototype and test it out just to make sure that it's everything is correct and I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Would you suggest that somebody make a physical prototype before getting on Tabletopia or just go straight to Tabletopia or, you know, uh, digital software? Okay. Uh, it depends how you do prototypes because my first prototype is usually like a piece of paper and a couple of words written by in a pen and maybe I don't even just use uh, – maybe I just tear them to pieces. Mm -hmm. I don't maybe use uh, scissors. Uh, that thing probably – makes no sense to do on tabletop right you just do it quickly test it by yourself like if you're testing by yourself you don't need tabletop 
right? Uh, as soon as you're past that phase, as soon as you need somebody to test it with, this is where you can go digital, I think. All right, so let's go back. Let's talk, you know, back about the cons. One thing I was sitting here, and as you were talking, I was thinking about, there is such a difference between clicking to roll a die and rolling a die. Like, it's just such a huge difference in the feeling that players get. And so what have you noticed in your experience, that kind of that tactile thing that you're going to be missing with the digital version? What have, what have your playtesters said to kind of give you feedback on that? And how do you kind of mitigate that? Okay, first of all, it's different for, uh, for different people. Uh, I had feedback like, okay, I really liked this, but I want to play it in like in actual form. Like I just don't like digital games. You know, yeah. I, it it was quite a few people uh, who would respond like this. They would still play it. I mean, if if they like the game as the game, and they want to help you out testing it, they will still do it. But the experience is different, as I said. So you have to be aware of that. And when you're trying to figure out if if the experience is the way you want it to be, don't rely on digital here. Test it. Yeah, for sure. And then also, just to reiterate, you're talking about distractions. I mean, it's so hard to get people to sit around a table and not just look at their phone every two minutes when, when it buzzes or goes off. Like when you're doing stuff on a computer, that is like the box of distraction. That is what it is. It is designed to distract <laughs> you with a billion different things and people make money off of that. That's how it works. And so have you found anything that kind of helps people to not be as distracted? Are there any like apps or anything that kind of like closes off everything else so you can just focus on the game in front of you? Okay, I'll, I'll say something controversial here. Okay. Uh, make pretty prototypes. Ah, there you go. Don't make it ugly. Usually, often it's advised, like, don't bother, like, your prototype can look really bad. No, no. I mean, if it looks bad, you'll have a hard time finding testers, I think. Yeah. Like, it should look like a game. I mean, it doesn't have to be like your artwork, for example. You can, I mean, as long as you're not publishing it, because the links you're sending doesn't have to be, like, visible for everyone, right? It can be just private link. Then you can use whatever. Make it pretty. Uh, make it a good game. <laughs> and a good game that looks good. Uh, and then if player is enjoying it, same as in real physical game, like if they like the game, if they like the process, they will not be distracted. It's easier said than done, but I don't think there is a different solution here, to be honest. All right, so any other pros or cons or anything that you can think of that you want to talk about with this? Okay. So I've already mentioned that you can use it to basically make a demo video. Yeah. Another thing which I used it for is, like, we publish game for, games through Kickstarter, right? Uh, the, the one we've published went through Kickstarter, and the next one will be on Kickstarter as well. So I use it as, like, a way for people to quickly get an idea about your game. Like, uh, you can make the image with the component uh, description and whatnot, and you can also put the link there. Like, hey, click on this link, you enter Tabletopia, and you can enter the setup, and there's the game. You can download the rules, and you can try and play it. It's like an ultimate PNP, right? Yeah. And, I mean, all the games that we do that go to Kickstarter will have that, because I think this is, like, the best way to tell people that I'm not afraid, here's my game. Play the heck out of it. You don't even need to cut everything. Right. Like, all you need to do is just click this button, there's the game, read the rules, go and play it. 
uh, I think it's invaluable for Kickstarters in this role. Yeah, have you had a lot of people respond and, and do that? Have you had success from people wanting to go in there and play around with it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, <laughs> during Kickstarters, uh, I haven't done a lot. Like, I'm not, I'm no Jamie Stegmaier, right? So, uh, but I usually don't have time to actually track that thing. <laughs> but, but I see that people are coming and leaving into the setup, so there is traction happening there. And people uh, comment on the game, but we always offer the PMP and tabletop a link. So uh, I don't know which one they played, right? Can be anything. But at least, at least some people do open it and try it out. But I don't have statistics for you, unfortunately. Oh, no worries. All right, so what else? What else you got? Pros and cons. Okay, another thing is having multiple copies. For example, game design is iteration. You try this, try that, try another thing. And like if you would keep all your copies with a physical prototype, uh, you will be drowned in paper very, <laughs> right. very, very quickly. Uh, here, as long as you store your data tidy enough, you have everything there. So you've tried something and then it doesn't work. You can always just, okay, let me just take my old files. Half an hour later, I have my old version. Or you can, if you are if, if you have the Spade account and you have don't have a limitation on space, then you can, okay, here's my game. Here's one month old version of my game. You know, so you can uh, quickly go, you can even have those two versions and then test them separately see how reaction of people uh, on either of them again because cost of prototype is not a factor so this uh, goes down to this all right so talk to me about feedback what do you do what have you found works in getting feedback from people after they play it or during you know, play tests and like that. When when you're in when you're in the room, so to speak, when you're at the digital table, it's a little easier. Yeah. But like, what do you do? Do you have like forms that you email to people, or how do you get players responding about your game? I usually feel very uncomfortable to ask people a specific set of things. Like, okay, I think they already agreed to play my game, and I'm already super grateful because they're spending time to play in the finished product. And then I would usually just say, okay. Um, we're still on Skype, right? So I would say, like, okay, what you hated the most? Like, please tell me. And then I listen to that. And if everybody's reluctant, some people will not tell you. Actually, most people will not tell you bad things about your game. So uh, I can ask them, okay, so don't do it now. But tomorrow, if you have a moment, uh, just write me down a few messages, like, what you think. And that works, usually. Uh, people would not instantly after the game i usually like ask them to do it afterwards and the best feedback is usually like next next morning like i check skype and uh, boom there's a list of things which they liked or didn't like and again since it's all digital it's there right so easy to store easy to write down easy to fix and quick to fix you can you can basically go through that feedback and like okay so you didn't like that how can i fix it okay i can fix it like this do you feel like testing this evening, again, like, and you make the changes, takes you half an hour, and this evening you can test the new version with all the feedback already accounted for, so it saves you time again. Yeah, is there a way to kind of do that process through the software? So, for instance, could I put a card on the table that, again, it's like magnetically stuck to a place on the table that has a link on it for a feedback form that they could click and it take them? Yeah. You can can you, you do, do that? I 
think you can... Uh, okay, I'm not sure if you can place an active link. I don't think so. But you can definitely do it in the lobby, like in description. You can say, like, okay, here's an email. Like, especially if you if you leave it like this, if you leave the game and put a link somewhere and you're not there for the game, you can just, uh, in the description, like, any feedback, please send to this email. I don't know. I, honestly, I never tried it like this. I try to when i do the digital testing i usually i'm almost always present i'm not always playing i can just okay invite the, invite people they're in the game you can still observe the game without uh, taking a seat so that's what usually i do like i invite the people they play and i'm just there try to be silent so they hopefully forget that i'm there <laughs> so something like that all right, cool, man. So let's let's talk about tips and tricks. Give me some, like, you know, you've been doing this for a while and you've figured some things out. What would you tell somebody who's about to do this for the first time that would save them a ton of time, you know, that they wouldn't have to make the mistakes? What could they learn from you? What are some tips and tricks? Okay. Um, if I mean, I imagine this is not just Photoshop. Like, use layers and uh, for your cards, don't, uh, like, don't save everything in, like, just a jpeg or whatever uh use layers like have your card then have your text separately so you can if you need to change something you can open that file just change the text save as new image done replace the card always have those like blank cards saved like uh be careful with all the assets that you do because you're probably gonna spend a lot of time making them so make sure you can reuse them don't like while i said that make it pretty don't overdo it. <laughs> like, don't waste days making that prototype look really good. Or money, for that matter. Or money, and then realize that, uh, hey, mm, these cars won't be there. Like, they don't worry for the game. So, still, try it first. Then it works. Then waste some time to make them look pretty. Uh, because it will help you when people are actually playing it. Um, what else? Uh, use magnetic magnetic areas. Read about them. They help. Uh, they just speed it up. They make it everything tidy. So you just you, you don't have to be super precise when you place something. It just clicks. Especially if it's like some worker placement or whatever. You can make everything go where you want it to go. Learn how to use randomized setups because that will also save you a lot of time. You don't want... Like, it's digital. So use it to the full extent. Make sure that uh, you launch the game. It's ready to go. You don't have to do anything. You just start and we play yeah make files small again because it will save on the loading time something like this it's really not complex i mean as long as you have basic skill in visual software you won't have any issues yeah so the biggest thing get in there play around with it learn these you know use some of these tips and tricks to make it a little bit easier and and give it a shot it's something that that i will probably get into here soon (laughs) you know Ordering stuff from the Game Crafter used to be a really cool thing, but now it takes a month to get here. I have to find somebody that can put a game, a prototype in their suitcase and bring it to me. And it's just not convenient. And so the digital format is probably the uh, better way to go. Do you have any kind of closing advice or anything you'd tell people uh, in addition to what you've already said? Yeah, I mean, it's small community game design. So if you have any issues, drop me a line. I'll help. Like if you want to try it and then something is not clear... Send me an email. Ask me a question. I'm there. Yeah. What's your email address? Uh, okay. It's uh, <laughs> you better better place the link. I'll put a link. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my last name at Gmail, right? So yeah. 
Gotcha. Well, I'll put a link on the uh, on the website for people to find you there. They can also find you over at the Board Game Design Forum, bgdf.com. Uh, you're mm-hmm. pretty active over there as well. Well, cool, man. man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're about to head over to a bonus round. We're going to talk about how to find playtesters and what you need to do to find playtesters if you live out in the middle of nowhere and that kind of thing. And so, Artie, he's, he's become kind of an expert at that, at, at figuring out where to find people to playtest his games. Also, Artie, you got a, you got a game coming up here on Kickstarter. Uh, take a couple minutes. Tell me about that. Oh, sure. Uh, okay, so another game, which was actually for, I think, two years, it was only digital. Like, I was, <laughs> it was really late before I started making an actual physical prototype for this one. So it's called Warpgate, and it's like a fast and streamlined spaceships in space kind of game. Uh, not your Twilight Imperium, right? It's, it's like we're talking 30, 40 minutes for two players. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about the game. So is it is it pick up and deliver? Is it more of a you know skirmish game? Like what's what's the main what what's the point? How do I win? Okay, uh, it's a point. Point is getting points. Uh, it's a game where basically you have your like a piece of galaxy and your race uh, discovered this warp gate near their home world and they go through this warp gate and boom, they're in some uncharted space and they're not alone there. They're like other races which also found this weird warp gate which conveniently leads to the same place in space. Uh, and then you use your hand of cards, uh, which are multi-use. You have different actions on them. And you have this um, tile-based board, uh, which is randomized. And then you have your player board, which have those, uh, which has those four uh, turn slots. And the cool thing is that each slot uh, has a multiplier. Like the first one is one, the second one is twice, the second was three times, and the last one is four times. And basically, when you play a card, you choose an action, and it gets better uh, with each passing turn. Like, if you use an action which places ships, like you use it on turn one, it's going to be one ship. If you use an action which moves, you use it on turn one, it's going to be moving to a planet one space away. If you do it on turn four, there'll be four ships or four spaces away. So, And you have each round, you have like four cards, and you'll play all of them. And you have to kind of think which card you're going to play in which slot, depending on what the enemy is doing and the um, state of the board. And then you go around, you capture sectors of space, you get mission cards, uh, which are hidden missions. Uh, you complete them, score points, you score points in combat. Combat is very fast, card-driven. You just draw two cards, pick one, play, and then we compare the values, do some effects, and done. You do trade, and you do technologies, of course. You have the huge deck where you draw them from and the way you get them is also tied to the to the board because there are like five types of planets and technologies are linked to them so you send your scientists to a specific planet and then you can grab that card yeah no it sounds good man i'm excited for it i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, i hope it does really well and again i really appreciate you coming on the show and good luck with everything you got going on Thanks for having me, Gabe. Uh, it was really cool talking to you. And I hope this uh, tabletop thing will help, especially you, because you're in this very beautiful but re- remote place <laughs> on our planet, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to uh, giving it a shot. And I hope listeners will, will also give it, just give it a chance. Get on there and just play around with it. You know, if you don't 
feel confident. You know, you're not, you're not sure. Again, it's free to try. And so get on there, have some fun, play around. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But it might be something that can really help uh, playtesting. And that's one of the biggest challenges of game designers, especially newer game designers, is playtesting, is getting people around the table. And so, it, you know, you might only have a handful of people in your town, but there's a billion people online. And so you, your odds go up of getting people uh, to test your game. Well, cool, man. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?